the wonderful Billy Flynn. And podcasting's Rich Siegfried. And Flynn Stress from GeekRadioDaily.com. And we want to welcome you to the Time Shifters podcast. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. Your hosts, the handsome and incredibly talented Christopher and Matt would love to hear from you. There are several ways to get in touch with them. You can look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook. Follow the two on Twitter. Christopher is at Time Shifters pod. And Matt is at Movies at the Mat. That's with two T's. Or you can send them a typed or recorded message to Podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Nokia Phones, Most Teletypes, and Messenger Pigeons. Be nice. Toss them a rate and review at any of those outlets. Now, from the Time Shifters studio... Here are Christopher and Matt. Everyone, welcome back to Time Shifters. We are back in studio together, Christopher and Matt. Matt, welcome back. Hey. I hope you enjoyed your, your weekend off. I did. Uh, got to go spend some time in a little town called Yellow Springs. Lots of art, lots of uh, stores, but also uh, cut over to Columbus for half a day. And took in the traveling Jim Henson exhibit. Yeah, and I'm really jealous. I'm <laughs> really kicking myself for forgetting that that was up there. <laughs> that was um, a lot of fun because I mean I knew there was going to be a lot on display. It was about you know his life and every all the different projects he worked on. But what I didn't know is that the, a lot of the Muppets they had on display were all set used. These weren't recreation replicas. These were on loan from the Henson family. That is incredible that is so the more you talk about it the more i'm just <laughs> just really hating myself yourself. i am uh because I, I was telling you right before we turned on i knew about it i remember when it came around and i even talked to a couple friends that are you know within the tri-state area that had talked about going i'm like oh well, keep me posted if you go up we'll, we'll do a meetup it'd be awesome and then i just kind of forgot about it until someone just like last week or whatever posted oh we got there on the last weekend oh <laughs> i forgot all about it yeah we got there the week before it left and then double bonus is is uh we, we didn't like order our tickets ahead of time or anything because this exhibit was just part of the general admission so we're like okay they're not going to run out of tickets for general right. admission we get there you know it was a bit rainy and there were like these three older women who had like sheets of of the wristbands that you get for general admission and they turned to us and they go are you going in we're like yeah did you buy your tickets yet no we bought a whole bunch for a group and a lot of people aren't coming do you want two wristbands so we got in for free oh my gosh nice (laughs) we were like are you sure no one's they're like we're absolutely sure we bought too many Nice. So we got to see the whole thing for oh, nothing. Wow! It just cost the drive. Yeah, not not that's yeah. When you're lucky, you're lucky. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's very cool. You just you showed me a few pictures and everything, and that's just it looked like it would have been amazing to it, see in person. It was it was really cool, and then it had like these, uh, you know, a lot of like different uh, video playing, and it had you know clips from when he he first got started with right, puppets. Yeah. And what I didn't know is Rolf the dog was the first Muppet mm-hmm. to really take off on a national level. Oh, I had no idea about that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I knew that. I knew that Rolf was one of the earliest ones that he had come up with. Yeah, but that was the one that really propelled him and and nice. got him going. And then he was still trying to work on like. 
um, short films, like live action films, and they had snippets of that, and they were pretty interesting. Some that I really want to go watch. There's one called like uh, the Cube or the Box or something, where it's about a guy who is trapped inside of this cube. I've heard about. I saw some retro uh, perspective. Uh, something on Jim Henson, and they talked about how he wanted to be this filmmaker. And they, yeah, yeah they showed a bunch of clips of, of his. Effectively, they're like kind of like art films. Yeah, and I'm like, man, I bet you those would be really interesting to see all the way through. The few clips I saw were cool because, like, the cube is like the guy. It becomes aware that he's in this cube, and it's essentially just like a soundstage. And then there's this host that's like, don't, don't worry, you're gonna be okay. He's like, but, but my whole life is fake. And he's like, look, we'll cut to the end. We'll show you how you are. And then it shows a clip of the end of what you're going to watch. And the guy's like, but I'm still trapped in the cube. Yeah, but you're happy. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I need to see this. Yeah, no, I'd like to. I would like to see some of these early films because I mean, the man had an, an incredible imagination, and it would be really interesting to see how he originally tried to um, convey that. And, yeah. and share that. So yeah, a lot, lot of uh, good stuff there. I don't know where it head to, uh, went to next, but if it's coming to your area, check it out. It's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Down here in. Um, Cincinnati. They recently had at the art museum. They had the exhibit for the uh, the burnt art of the Burning Man um, mm. festival, and uh, that was pretty interesting too. Um, not nearly like on the level of seeing it, <laughs> real <laughs> life Burton Ernie, um, but it was real. It was it was an interesting to kind of learn more about the festival and everything. Actually, by the time you get through the exhibit and seeing some of the art that they brought in and everything, and seeing some of the videos and. And everything you're thinking, wow, I'd really like to go to that. Then you look into it and realize it cost you about five grand. You're like, but not that much. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I'll just, I'm glad I saw it at the museum. <laughs> <laughs> I really got to stop waiting to find that perfect weekend or something when exhibits like that roll around and got to start making it like a, a destination, just an actual plan. Like, oh, we're going on this day. Right cancel everything clear the calendar kind of thing if you're not going i'm going by myself <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly what i need to start doing because i have missed out on a couple different exhibits like that where it's just yeah it's just time gets in the way and this comes up and that comes up and then you forget about it and and then it's gone i don't know yeah. where it's going yeah <laughs> yeah very cool well, uh, last episode, Jared was nice enough to uh, step in and watch uh, Dr. Fives and discuss it with me. I know you watched the film as you voiced on the on the episode. The, you know, you really didn't glom onto why this was like this fan favorite amongst a lot of Vincent Price fans and everything. You've listened to the episode. I was curious what your what were your thoughts now? You know, after hearing the episode, hearing us talk about it, I definitely have a better idea of why people like it. That that was helpful and. It it helped me realize what went over my head. It helped me realize why I didn't uh, get pulled in. And I think a lot of that had to do with there was a lot there, but there was a lack of character development. You were just sort of going through something that had already happened. Mm -hmm. And you you guys pointed out that like you know it, it's pretty far into the movie before you get any idea of who this guy is why, why he's yeah. doing what he's doing and you know, i had talked about wanting to like maybe get like more of an understanding of who fibes was before everything and i wasn't interested in like the necessary backstory of like 
his reaction to his wife dying, but maybe just to who he was before all of this. Because to to cross that line of murdering people, especially <laughs> in that way, I think something's already wrong with you. Sure. And the death of his wife was just the excuse to to fall into that pit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe he was already a monster. Like, was he even a good husband? Hmm. Right. Like things like that. That I that I wonder about his character, but we never got into that. It was just sort of this happened, this happened, and now it's over. And that that's what was lacking for me. There was not a lot of character development. Characters were interesting, but mm-hmm. they weren't developed. Like there was no arc. Right. No one by the end of that movie was any different from when they started. Not even the doctor who had to save his son. Like, did he learn a lesson? Right. No, because he didn't no. do anything wrong. No, they're all reactionary characters. Right. right. And so and that's that's always been the kind of movie that that I attach to of of seeing an arc and seeing character development right. and seeing people kind of go through a journey rather than this was plot. Right. From start to finish. And it's not okay. a bad plot. I, I I by no means did I think it was a bad movie or a bo- definitely not a boring movie. There's way too much going <laughs> on there for it to be boring. It's just not something that perks me up and makes me go i'm gonna watch it again because there's so many things to see it instead it's just more of i'm gonna get a better idea of the plot over and over and over again okay interesting well then um you know jordan i talked about like a lot of the hammer horror films and everything Mm -hmm. you would probably same feeling not yeah you'd have the same feeling certainly on all the uh the dracula films i think you'd probably have the same feeling on those and that Um, was i think if you take all of the Frankenstein films, if you actually watched some of them and see how they portrayed Frankenstein, I, I think you'd get more, if you actually took in all the films, mm. you would see a little bit of, um, I don't even know if you'd call it development, but just how that the Doctor is from one film to another, just how he's written and the extremes that they, it's hard to go into without actually really going into it or whatever. But I think if you took the whole film, all those films as a whole, you might find them interesting, but you'd have to actually slog through all those films. Right. But yeah, the, the vampire films, the the Dracula films, I think you would feel the same as you did with the fives. Yeah. And that's kind of always been my understanding of those movies, which is why I've never sought them out. Um, But you know, like something like, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the actual book, I love. One of Mm -hmm. my favorite books because that is full of character development and arc. Like how the the creature is at the end of that book to, you know, when when he's first brought to life is is such a wonderful journey. Yeah, I think if you ever decided to go into any of the hammers, I would go with the Frankensteins then. Um, I think you would, uh, you, you might find what you're looking for a little bit more in those versus the the Dracula films. Sure. And um they they're something to behold too cuz just the uh they are well known for a reason, I guess. And uh yeah, there's a few few plot uh, twists in the uh in the character that you're like where the hell did that come from? <laughs> in in one film or another. So All right, very cool. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed listening to the episode and you I, and you got a little bit of yeah, you're able to at least hone your thoughts a little bit more on it. Yeah, it definitely helped me because when I, 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 my other mistake was probably making that recording like I don't know, thirty minutes after I finished the movie. I yeah. but I didn't have any time because I did that the night before. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh crap, I have to watch this movie <laughs> now. So uh, yeah, 
It was a really good discussion. It, it helped me figure things out, and uh, it was it, it's weird listening to people talk about you. <laughs> it's really weird. Like that part went in, and then you guys kept coming back to it, and I I was like, oh, I'm getting secondhand embarrassment over here. <laughs> well, we certainly didn't set out to embarrass you. No, it was just that. it's just strange to like put your opinion out there, mm-hmm. but then not be present to yeah be part of it. It's it's frustrating. That, that's one of the things, and on probably one of the main reasons I even started podcasting myself is that I used to write in or call in to the voicemails or whatever other shows and then people would have discussions and I'd be like no that's not what I meant right exactly <laughs> it was just you'd have to write again or yeah. you just like I'll oh, forget it that's too far you know it's right. so you get really frustrating so it's like you know what fine I'll just do it myself, do it myself. <laughs> right so that that's kind of like was was my experience with the episode very good discussion but I just kept going oh crap no no that's not what I meant yeah. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you sending that in because yeah. it was a great way to, for us to kind of jump the jumpstart the conversation between the between us. And again, thanks to uh, to Jared for stepping in and uh, joining me on that episode. Oh, and Rich and Jeff for sending in their uh, yeah. their thoughts and their voicemails. That was awesome. That was a a fantastic coincidence for them that the they just happened to be. <laughs> we're at the film right now. <laughs> that was really cool. Okay, well, I guess we can go into oh you. Speaking of just movies and everything, I've actually kind of tried to keep a little bit of track of some of the films I've watched recently. Mm. I did want to bring up, I watched uh, the FP2, Beats of Rage. There is a sequel to the FP. You'll, I you'll did be watch alone it. on that. <laughs> and yeah, no, get that I would me. not put that on the list. But uh, yeah, if I, I thought the FP was over the top. I was wrong. That was just the top. <laughs> FP2 just takes that next, takes a leap right off the, the edge. Um, I finally watched Spider-Man into, into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You liked that, Brilliant. Didn't you? I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I, I just, I loved the way it was kind of like, it's not real, but it's real. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, the art, the 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 animation, beautiful. yeah. And I'm, there, I'm still learning things about that. I just came across an article like a couple weeks ago. That movie is animated in 24 frames per second. Every character is in 24 frames per second. But Mm -hmm. Miles is 12 frames per second. Interesting. At the beginning of the movie. Mm. As it goes on and as he gets his powers and as he slowly starts to control them and figure out his place, at the end of the movie, he's at 24 frames per second. Nice. Just to really highlight... His feel, his out of place feeling. I they did a lot of little things like that. Uh, so that's a more subtle one, but yeah. uh, like uh, through the first part of the film until he gets bit and until he starts changing, you know, when that happens, then you start getting the little like thought balloons mm-hmm. kind of stuff come on up. That was a you know he was a normal kid until bam, suddenly now you're in like a comic, right? <laughs> it was very cool. Uh, yeah, they they animated it and they made it so if you pause that movie at any point, it looks like it's, it's beautiful. It it looks like it's a page out of the comic book. Yeah, um, they're saying all the animators that worked on it, every one of them wanted to animate Stan Lee. So they said if you uh, if you pause it on on almost any time a train is going by, you'll catch Stan, Stan Lee in a window. Yeah. <laughs> that was very very cool. I love the Stan Lee cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there wasn't anything about that film I didn't like. Yeah, that was just it was well written. The voice acting was fantastic. The animation was incredible. The story was was great. It was fine. It was kind of one of those ones where you're like, I'm kind of sorry you can't actually probably do this. <laughs> you 
this this is what a superhero movie looks like when the studio yeah. stays out out of it because studios don't really get involved in like except it's Disney like no one right. really gets involved with with an animated movie they think oh well, that's just something that's happening we don't you know because there's no like oh the paparazzi snuck into set and grabbed photos right. of somebody in a costume like it's all being mm-hmm. done on a computer unless right. somebody hacks the computer but then you're going to get a lot of things out of context and it's like is that even a finished image yet right <laughs> things like that so there's no point so yeah everybody stays out of it and then this fully realized vision of what a superhero film should look like comes out and it's perfect yeah it might be probably it, it definitely might like top five favorite superhero films uh, no easy yeah certainly the my favorite that i've seen recently to me it is second only to mask of the phantasm yeah yeah which yeah it would also be in that top five yeah so yeah a lot of fun if you haven't if you're like me and for some reason yep i had it in my i had it available to watch for like months and i just finally sat down and oh screw it i'm gonna do it and i was a little worried because i've Boy, and lately I've been so busy that by 10 o'clock or so, I'm fading on the couch almost every night. This one, I was like bolt upright watching every frame. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> yes. That last fight is amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I, I just loved everything about it. I took in two other films. Uh, since the summer's winding down, the horror movies are coming out. Yeah. I took in one great one and one bad one. Okay. <laughs> so the bad one was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Okay. That was a mess. That's... I recognize the title uh, that it exists, but I don't know anything about it. It's a it's an anthology book of all of these short horror stories. And they took a bunch of the more, there's like three of them, and they took kind of a bunch of the popular ones and made it all one ongoing story. Oh, okay. So it's... it's, Yeah, that's a little disappointing. If it's an anthology, I kind of would have liked to have seen an anthology film. Right. And, but, but they did a good job of like explaining how these things are connected. It's all one ghost kind of making it happen through just ghost rage kind of thing but the, at, at the end of the day none of it is scary it looks mm-hmm. cool it a lot is done with practical effects but you're just sort of sitting there going you're not scaring me this isn't even close to scary like the stories right. themselves are terrifying and these were this was an anthology book that was for kids like it was you know for like preteen teen mm-hmm. kids and so kids read this and were scarred for life but loved oh, it interesting kind of thing but the the movie is it, it's a, it's a ghost story, but it's a not a great ghost story yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, a good ghost story should still at least get the hairs in the back of your neck to stand up. You no, know? there's a lot of jump scare. You know, mm. the music is telling you how to feel kind of thing, where right. somebody turns a corner and you just hear all of the instruments boom really yeah. quick yeah. kind of thing. Spring loaded cats. Yeah. yeah. The other one that was great was Ready or Not. Okay. Have you heard that one? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. That was a blast. Absolute fun movie. Horror comedy. It it kept me tense. It kept me guessing. Didn't see any of the twists coming. Uh, a character you root for. Uh, a, a wonderful cast of characters. And an ending you don't see coming at nice. all. <laughs> Which is tough to do right so if they can pull it off you know awesome very very different kind of horror comedy that i was used to um 
Yeah, it's just one of those movies that starts off one way and it ends with, and there's blood everywhere, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> right. And you're you're there for it. I'm right. not usually big into the gore aspect. It's not right. even really gory except for like the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. But then you get there and you're just sort of like, okay, I believed every second of this. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Uh, last thing I'll say about the the films and everything, um, but I've decided, you know, uh, a year or two ago, I decided to go through and watch all the Resident Evil films just for kicks. Sure. And uh, enjoyed watching those. And yeah, those are a film that, you know, the further you get in the series, the less interesting the series is. <laughs> um, but the under, another series that I've been wanting, which is, you know, if you want to call it a guilty pleasure series or whatever, is the Underworld series. Mm. And uh, so I started, I've decided to start watching that series so i just watched underworld uh last weekend or friday or something like that that first movie's great i still really like that first movie i mean a lot of practical effects you know, mm-hmm. a lot of what you know wire work and 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 great fight scenes and everything and uh all kind of an intriguing story you know not one we've seen a lot in film might have maybe in book but not yeah. in, not in film so yeah but I like so really good so now i'm, I'm looking forward to watching the uh next three or four i forget how many there is actually yeah, in the series <laughs> yeah um so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching those i have a feeling they're going to be a little bit like the resident evils that as they go along they're going to be more and more uh, reliant on cgi and not as much practical and it but, uh i i never watched past the first one but i did read up on it and it, it's one of those things where right in the very next movie it does things to kind of return to how the first movie was it's just sort of like no 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 why can't we see progress here like Mm -hmm. like oh and so and so was killed off that way we don't have to deal with their character anymore even though they were the whole point of that last movie i think i've seen the whole series i'll find out as i get through i know the resident evils it was the last one or two i were first time watches but i think i've seen all the underworlds but it's kind of one of those things since there's not like Underworld 1, Underworld 2, you know, they just have Underworld and then like a subtitle. I'm not entirely sure I've seen them in the right order. <laughs> so I had a, I Googled, I made sure I knew which way to, you know, to watch them. So we're going through it. So I'm starting that. So I'll keep you posted. All right. So yeah, now we can, uh, we can jump into some news. Uh, we both came in with a few things. Um, just as a kind of an aside, really, um, only because we we covered the Beside Adventure back in like year one of the podcast. Uh, Carolyn Lindley just passed away. She was Nani, the uh, the, the really very attractive blonde singer uh, that survives to the end. One of the survivors of the, the Beside Adventure, and uh, that's very unfortunate. She's a she's an actress that I knew her in the Beside Adventure, and then aside from that, I probably only knew her because I just watched a lot of. 70s tv shows and she did a lot of cameos or or guest stars i should say on on a, you pick it you know pick a cop show or a 70s you know uh action adventure show or drama or whatever she was in it um very beautiful actress i think pretty talented never really seemed to find the the big stardom that i think maybe she had the potential to but uh just wanted to bring that up that's un, unfortunate she was only 77 i mean mm. These these people you see them in the films, but I guess she was really young when Poseidon Adventure was what mid seven. Uh, I forget the year. A while uh, ago, yeah, but it was a while ago. But I guess she she was probably only in her twenties, so I guess that makes sense. Another death that this one was uh, real unfortunate. 
Terrence Dix, who is not a name that you might know, but he is well known uh, among Doctor Who circles. He joined the show in 1968, wrote some of the most influential Doctor Who uh, episodes, including the 20th anniversary, The Five Doctors. And then uh, even after he left Doctor Who in the early 70s, when he left the show, he still did the uh, novelization of just tons of the uh, of the adventures. You know, all the stories he wrote, the novelizations to, mm. to go along. And just a prolific writer, just probably... He he is probably one of the reasons the show lasted as long as it did. He came in at the right time. He was able to write some incredible stories and kept it going through that early, late 60s, early 70s. Maybe it would have gone on. I, I, I don't know. But I think his writing was really important to the uh, series. And it gave us some characters and some stories that even today the episodes build off of. Wow. So uh, just... An amazing man, uh, Uncle Terrence, <laughs> to, to Doctor Who fans. Uh, very, very sad. He uh, passed away. He was 84 years old. Just a really great guy. Awesome for Doctor Who. And it's just a, a sad day for fans, you know, of certainly of the classic series that, that knew of his work. I'll end on some good news, and then I'll, I'll let you go on. Again, just a, just a quick mention. It's kind of fun. The on-screen romance between Supergirl and Mon-El carried over into real life, and Melissa Benoist and Chris Wood got married uh, just not that long ago. So congratulations to them. Uh, they did have fantastic chemistry in the show. Kind of made sense that, you know, the chemistry was actually natural, I guess, yeah. between them. So or hopefully they will be a, a couple that, you know, they found chemistry with the show, and hopefully that chemistry continues on, and they have a nice long relationship. Yeah. So. That's kind of a fun news. I like that. Yeah, me too. One of the things that I keeps me watching Supergirl, because those of the stories are kind of like meh on me anymore, is the chemistry between the, the actors that appear. So Yeah. So the one thing I have is a few months ago, there was all of this rumor that they were going to shoot and film a movie to take place right after the events of Breaking Bad to follow the story of Aaron Paul's character, Jesse Pinkman. Mm -hmm. And they were wondering, like, okay, when's it going to film? Is the reason that the next season of Better Call Saul got delayed is because they're going to film it. it. turns out when those rumors came out that they were going to shoot the movie, they had already shot the movie. Oh, interesting. They kept it under wraps so much, and they used, you know, one of those fake... Uh, movie titles right. when they were shooting it and Aaron Paul said he he was just working on an indie film and then when the rumors came out and they were like so we're hearing Jesse's going to be in it is that true he's like I don't know if I'm ever going to return to the character dude already did <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out on Netflix October 11th nice they dropped a teaser trailer it's called El Camino a Breaking Bad story and it's going to be about what the hell happens to jesse after he escapes because that that movie ends with him having been enslaved or not that movie that show ends with him having been enslaved for months he breaks loose he drives away in an el camino getting away from this neo-nazi compound and that's the end of his story three minutes before the show ends wow and it's written and directed by Vince Gilligan, who is one of the best writer-directors mm -hmm. I've ever seen. I can't wait for this to come out. Excellent. Well, good. Yeah, it's amazing that they were able to keep it quiet and yeah, and not let anything anything out and let anything slip. Because you got to think, people had to have been following that guy around 
Mm-hmm. Well, with you, this with this rumor, you, you know, say indie movie, everybody backs. That's up. true. Like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Some yeah. indie movie called this. Bye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not going anywhere. Yeah. Now people are going to be like, "You're not in an indie movie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep watching him. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That's very cool. Yeah. So I really look forward to that because I love Breaking Bad. I love Better Call Saul. They know what they're doing with these characters. It's always such interesting work. Have you watched any of that? I tried to get into Breaking Bad uh, with my wife. She wanted to watch the whole series, and I watched you know the first five, six episodes or something like that, and it honestly just failed Didn't to pull it. me in. Yeah. Try uh, Better Call Saul, which is the I've, prequel series. I've, I've seen some of that too because my wife is also a fan. Uh-huh. So I've seen, I've been in the room while she's kind of been watching it, and I'll, it's one of those things where I'll pop up and kind of watching it. It's, it's one of those ones that it kind of frustrates me that I don't get pulled in because it's kind of like I recognize that this is some incredible cast, yeah, and this is some good writing, and this is you know great dialogue. But I still find myself. I'm just not interested. It's not your kind of story. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that crime it. drama. Yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's it's kind fair. of one of those things. Those are one of those things where I I love sitting down to a good crime drama film. Okay, you can keep me for an hour and a half, two hours, or whatever. But episode after episode. Yeah, episodic. I'm not as interested. I'm I'm more interested. You know. I'll still. I mean, I've said it on the show before. I watch things like Hawaii Five O because it's you know it starts. Aha! Here's the twist, and there's the end. And next episode, next again. episode, it's, it it reboots or yeah. whatever. <laughs> right. This you have to pay attention. What happens in episode one affects episode thirty, right. kind of thing. And I've watched shows like that, but they've been typically more in the like science fiction vein. Mm. Um, so it's not that story, that type of storytelling. But apparently, it is just the story being told just doesn't pull me in. Gotcha. Fair. It, I it might be one of those things where it's just. If I really actually gave it a chance, I would probably sit, you know, start getting involved, and it'd be one of those things that I like. Oh, I'm not interested, and then a week later, be like, "So what's going on with uh, that guy?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so any other news or anything? That's uh, that's the biggest one I got. That I'm really looking forward to that. Can't wait for that movie to come out. Excellent, cool. Oh, I just saw. Uh, you mentioned October. I think October sixth on the CW. We're finally getting Batwoman. I think is the premiere. Oh, okay. So cool. it's finally coming up. I finally had a release date. So saw that in a little little bumper on the show. So that's looking forward to just catching that. Nice. All right. Well, then that is going to do it. We're going to jump into a little break here and hear a promo for another podcast. And then we will talk about 1993 Heart and Souls. What the hell is this, the wonderful Billy Flynn? Just some podcast that's supposed to be geeky, Podcasting's Rich Sigfrit. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. Screw that noise. I'm not going to try it. Hey, Flinstress, let's get Mikey. Do you mean critically acclaimed comedy rock star Mikey Mason, who hosts the Beer Power Time Machine podcast? Yeah, but he won't listen. He hates everything. Hi, I'm critically acclaimed comedy rock star Mikey Mason. I don't often listen to podcasts, but when I do, make mine Geek Radio Daily. Hey, hey, hey man, that, that's a different promo. Between love and madness lies Geek Radio Daily. That's kind of accurate. There are some things money can't buy. GRD is free online. 
Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Geek Radio Daily. Eh, we'll take it. Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. GeekRadioDaily.com all right, way back when, 1993, Robert Downey Jr., kind of uh, right before his career kind of imploded a little bit. Yeah. This was pretty early in his career. He was 28. It's really, 28. I knew yeah. he was baby-faced, but I he didn't realize he, he, he was really a baby. Yeah. <laughs> the film I knew about, I remember when this came out. I remember commercials for this. Um, and I remember it, seeing it on, like, the VHS shelf at the local video store or at the Blockbuster or something like that. But I'd never watched it before. I thought maybe it might be one that I caught a little of somewhere. Mm. But no, it wasn't familiar to me when I finally watched it. And this was, so this was a first time watch for me. This is a film you knew about. You have the Blu-ray, apparently. I just got it. <laughs> oh, did you? Nice. This was a fun film. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, it, it's I kinda, wasn't sure how you take it. No, this one is just, it's one of those fine, it's kind of like this, inoffensive just sit down watch a nice movie film yeah got a do you have a synopsis a bit so in 1959 a young couple races to the hospital as the woman goes into labor at the same time a bus driver accidentally causes a crash with their car while a couple and their child survive the bus driver and his four passengers all die the driver immediately gets pulled into the next world, but the four strangers are now all tied to the newborn baby. They follow him, watch him grow, and give him advice as he is the only one who can see and hear them. Everyone thinks he has imaginary friends, and the four strangers choose to hide from him in order to not interrupt his life. 27 years later, they reappear as they need his help to complete their unfinished business before being forced to cross over themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot about that story that I really like because it is that great little twist. I, we've seen films before where it's like, oh, okay, you have you, you have time to complete something or to do something that you regret or whatever, but so so you can pass on. They don't find out that that that's why they're there because of a clerical error, <laughs> right? I love that that like heaven or whatever it is is not yeah. poorly is not well run. No, no, there's somewhere they got some angel. Angel didn't come down and tell you guys? No. Yeah. And I was supposed to get you 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> right. I, and, and I like, like that twist. And to me, I like this movie because of the characters, mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. are characters. Yes. And this cast. It's an amazing cast. I had so no idea. Good. You have Charles Grodin as Harrison, mm -hmm. the very talented singer who is too scared With to perform in public. Tremendous stage fright, yes. You have Alfre Woodard as Penny, the single mother who just wants to know what happened to her kids. Kara Sedgwick as Julia, the wide-eyed woman who believes in true love. Tom Sizemore as Milo, Love this Milo. like 50s greaser with a heart of gold. Loved Milo. <laughs> And then you even have uh, David Paymer as the bus driver and Elizabeth Shue as Anne, who is Robert Downey Jr.'s girlfriend. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful cast. Fantastic cast. Faces you know. You mm -hmm, might not mm -hmm. know all those names, but if you were to look them up, you'd be like, I've seen every single one of these people in like 10 other things. Yeah. And uh, I think in 1993, a lot of them were just kind of beginning their yeah. careers. Uh, they'd go on to, you know, get... Emmys and Golden Globes and, and 
Oscars, maybe. I'm not even. I'm not sure. Maybe, possibly. And then you know some, some nominations, if not if not actual awards. And and then you know Robert Downey Jr., who went on to do a little uh, film called Iron Man. <laughs> exactly. Well, and like I said, this was right before his career sort of imploded. Just a couple of years. Yeah, uh, in nine, I think it was 1996 when he really starts hitting the skids with the, his drug and alcohol abuse. He's arrested, yeah. uh, drunk driving, you know, spends time in prison. And then uh, he keeps working. I, I was actually surprised. I thought I would see, I went through his filmography. I thought I would see a bit of a gap. He actually keeps working, but there's a lot of films where it's kind of like, I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't in finally until, I think. Um, there were a couple of movies just before Iron Man that were kind of like the help to like, Mm-hmm. Get him back in the exactly. public eye, yeah. and then Marvel I was going to say it was risk. about oh six oh five where he really starts coming in and yeah. like okay I'm ready to work I'm cleaned up let's you know let's do this but yeah it wasn't until oh eight when Iron Man hit then everyone said well obviously he was born for this role <laughs> <laughs> he's lived the Tony Stark life <laughs> yeah. and the reason I picked this movie because it's not like a movie I love it's not a movie that I think is great it's like you said it's this fun cute little movie. But we picked this list at the beginning of this year, and then, you know, there I am sitting between Infinity War and waiting for Endgame. So Robert Downey Jr. is on my mind, and right. I was like, I want to go back to the first movie I ever saw him in. Mm-hmm. And I was maybe like 13, 14, 15 when I saw this. And even then, I was like, wow, this dude can act. I was kind of uh, amazed at how good of a physical comedian he is. Yeah. I mean, he has to do a lot of physical comedy in yes. this. Uh, and he's really good at it. He has to put on sort of impressions of the of the uh, characters when they, they learn they can take over his body. Uh, and then there's just a lot of physicality to everything he has to do. His movements, like the way he walks different as each character. And mm-hmm. he really takes over like he had to have studied the other actors before he did those scenes himself but he really becomes them and i love it yeah my favorite is when he's penny and he's he's like you know i'm a mother no i'm a doctor you better get somebody up and he's throwing his hands everywhere and he's turning around and then he's doing like the little walk down the hallway the way she does it's Mm -hmm. like this is no one taught him this like he just absorbs what he's seeing and then he becomes it. And I, I thought the, the one that really took me was uh, when he becomes Milo. Mm-hmm. Even even his face, his expressions, how he moves his face and everything changes. And I was like, wow, that's yeah. really good. Yes. <laughs> this movie was great. I love the way it was written. It was, and I like how we get to see, we get to see a little bit of the characters prior to the accident. And we yeah. see what leads them up to this bus uh, you know, this is kind of like, was this fate sort of thing? Right. And we see them right up the point where they're, they've either once again given up their dream or they're on their way to get what they, what they want. Um, uh, with the uh, exception of, um, Alfred Rudd's character who was just going to work. Yeah. Um, really nice the way they did that. Mm-hmm. The scene where, you know, obviously they've now grown up with this child. He's, what, 10 years old, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old or whatever now, yeah. um, where it's becoming a bit of a problem that he's talking with these four people right. that no one else can see. And he's looking, you know, the parents are looking to sending him to, to some sort of hospital. He's got a you know, child psychologist, you know, all this stuff. And that's where they make the decision that they need to, to disappear. Vanish. Uh, so he can get on with his life. 
that's a heartbreaking scene and you're only 30 minutes into the film and you're like, oh, right. This is an hour left of this sucker. <laughs> yeah. Like I could have watched a whole movie that was about young Thomas mm-hmm. dealing with the, you know, having these spirits that only he can see. Cause I, I like the idea that they are tethered to him. Mm-hmm. They can't go more than like 20 feet away until right. a force drags them along and things like, you know, where he's, He's in school and his teacher's talking about the Civil War and all the kids are bored. And, but but uh, Harrison, who's the librarian, gave right. him a very detailed speech to deliver. And he's he's delivering like this monologue about the, the smell Civil of War. the dead. Ooh. Like, I could have watched that movie all day. And then he's at the racetrack for Milo. And, and, and he's, you know, and then Milo, like Harrison's got him listening to classic opera and they've got the the cap over his eyes so he can't see and Milo's like turn the page and it's a playboy uh-huh. <laughs> things like that like that would have been a fun movie too yeah no you're right I would have watched that entire movie I was kind of almost sorry that that part of the movie ends so soon right because he really wanted to see more right I would have kind of liked to have also seen what it was that you know now that they're gone what makes um, Thomas become the man that he is they kind of get into that a little bit because he he loved them as Mm -hmm. a kid these were four people that he loved and they very much they probably at that point in his life raised him and had a greater influence on him than anyone and then his parents and so when they vanished and he says like he was gone he went to therapy for years and he was convinced that he made them up that losing those people he loved made him afraid to lose anybody he loved. That's why he doesn't call his parents. That's why he goes through relationship after relationship. But he he really, truly is in love with Anne, but he's afraid of getting hurt again. I think all of that, them vanishing, is what led him to be a very successful... Well, it's like a bank that he works for? Yeah, kinda... it's something he goes around and he looks like he's he manages all the bankruptcies. And yeah, I think he pretty much is just, he's a hatchet man. And like he's a, a fin- good one. Yeah, a financial hatchet man kind of thing. Yeah. Right, he's very successful. He's poured himself into his work. He, he cuts a lot of, he doesn't have any friends. He's mm-hmm. that kind of person. So I feel that's, you know, it would be interesting to see that progress, but I get it. I can, yeah. can totally yeah, sure. see the jump. And I, this is going to be one of those films too, though, where I, I, I struggle to really, other than just saying, oh, don't you like that one scene? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a little struggling to find it. Like, what do we really want to say about it? Um, it's just kind of we can gush about the the actors. And they all do an incredible job. But what else is there to say? The, the thing that I want to say is kind of, you know, they're invisible, but they're still present. Like, they're still around him. And I, I love those scenes before they manage to reappear in front of him. And two scenes are going on at the same time where you see Thomas having a conversation with someone and then you see the spirits having a conversation with each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're happening at the exact same time. Like there's Robert Downey Jr. having a conversation with somebody. They're they're face to face. And then all of a sudden these four other people just start walking between them around. How did they get through those? How did people not burst out into laughter? That's actually something I was going to bring up, too, is they do an amazing job of pretending these people aren't there. Right. No one ever looks. No one breaks eye contact with the person that's supposed to be in front of them, even though another person just walked between. Like, you figure your eyes would just refocus. Oh, yeah. And I I made a point to kind of, like, watch for that kind of stuff. And it doesn't happen. happen. It's really well done. It's like, how many takes? Yeah. 
this is literally this was probably like this was a 12 week shoot but they only needed six weeks of film <laughs> right probably or they rehearsed the hell out of it yeah they just had to keep Try it again. Try it again. <laughs> or they're running up to him and they're screaming like, Thomas, you need to re-see us. And he doesn't break. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't do no, anything. He keeps his no, conversation going. And they do a great job. And this is this is really up to the, the director and the people, you know, keep an eye on this kind of stuff. There's no, like, mistakes. No one accidentally brushes against something that they shouldn't be able to touch right. or anything like that. that. That, as far as I could tell, it doesn't happen. No. And it's like... That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a, a lot of really big filmmakers that have done this kind of stuff that haven't done it as well as you did right. it in this. And the director is Ron Underwood, who... Wasn't a name I was familiar with. Well, you're probably familiar with one of his earliest films, Tremors. Whoa, yeah. 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 That's him. Now he does a lot of TV. Mm. Like, pretty much since, like, the mid-90s, late 90s on, he's been almost exclusively television, but he's worked on a lot of different TV. He's still working today. Right. But uh, when I was flipping through his filmography, I was like, oh, he did Tremors. I love Which Tremors. is a brilliantly fun, well-directed film, too. Yeah. But yeah, he kind of got out of film. He kind of, you know, he did this, which wasn't that well received. He did a few other movies that weren't well received, and he got out of film, and he's he's been in TV ever since. When I read the uh, the premise, and even as I was watching the film, I was actually a little surprised to see that this was an an early '90s film because it really feels older '80s. I mean, you, I would even say it felt older than that. Like really? just the yeah. musical cues and mm-hmm. so much is clearly done on like a sound or like on set, right. things like that. There's the practical effects in the beginning with the bus crash. Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes, it opens in 1959 and I felt like a certain aesthetic never left. Yeah. 59. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it kind of like. I don't know if that was on purpose or if that was just this, his style at the time, but I, re- I was into it. Mm-hmm. I was really, really into it. Well, it makes it a little timeless, too. It yeah. makes the film a little timeless. But I, I was even just the, the theme, the idea of I can see these people and no one else can kind of thing is like, wow, that's very 80s. Oh, you okay. know, that's, that's like mannequin or, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which was, I think, 87 or something like that. So I was like, it's a little, maybe a little late to the game. But no, it, it, it does make the film, other than, you know, uh, the incredibly large car phone <laughs> that yeah. Thomas has. It's the only thing to let you know when it's taking place. But because you're dealing with these four characters that are from the 50s. And they are always And, and dressed. Thomas is just dressed in a suit and he's yeah. driving a Jag when the Jag that model Jag didn't change for almost a decade. So, I mean... When is it? Yeah, yeah. It makes it a kind of a timeless film. Yeah. And I really like the the little twist that whatever the afterlife is kind of seems to have a sense of justice in that, oh, the bus driver caused the accident. It's mm-hmm. his fault. They're dead. Right. So his penance is he has to work the next 500 years collecting souls. Mm-hmm. And so he's the one who shows up with the bus they died in yeah. to nice. collect them. And they're like... We remember you. Like you're the bus driver. Well, yeah. No, you're the bus driver. <laughs> he forgot who they were. Yeah. And then he looks worried, even though like he's already dead. He looks like they're gonna kill him. <laughs> it's a, just a really good scene. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, but I do like the that the afterlife has goofy things to it. Yeah. And you couldn't quite figure out it. It wasn't so much that they were going on to like. Well, apparently the next phase may actually be like reincarnation. Yeah, because the bus driver says, "Like, look, there's a life being born right now. It's time to go," and he grabs one of them. Right. So, like, oh, 
okay, so there's no, or maybe just they're just not heaven yet. You know, right. <laughs> maybe the yes, he has to try again. Right. You know, live a better life, kind of thing. Yeah, because there's that part right at the end where you see like the stars light up, and you're like, mm. is that them? Like what? It like what? It, it it's very vague, even though it's giving you a glimpse as right. to what this afterlife is. And I always like movies that get really creative with the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Like one of my other movies that i really enjoy is uh what dreams may come and that was i a never really, got around to seeing that, that that was a really good robin williams film and and that has a very creative afterlife what was the one um defending your life did you ever see that one Mm-mm. yeah that was another one where the uh the afterlife the just the, the take on the afterlife is is different is different and, and and makes it kind of fun yeah so this this is like right there for me with that but the one scene i have to have to have to have to talk about is the boardroom scene yes <laughs> that, that's where they decide for that he's they've reappeared to him he accepts that they're real he has that whole scene in the hospital mm-hmm. where he meets the other psychiatric patient who can see them so that's his confirmation yes. that they're real but he's like but i have a life to leave i have to go to work and they're like well they said we could take him over right and so kara Cedric or who jumps in first? Kara Cedric jumps uh-huh. in first. Mm-hmm. And she starts starts hitting, hitting on all the on board members. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. And then she's even like, 11 people, one woman. We need to fix that. And that woman <laughs> just starts nodding. <laughs> <laughs> and he's hitting on his own boss. And he hits on his coworker. And then she pops out. And he's like, we're still on for the game next week. Right, Phil? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Milo pops in. And mm-hmm. he becomes an entirely different character all over again. And yep. he starts hitting on the one woman in the room. He's like, you know long how it's been since I've had sex. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Thomas actually starts kind of fighting back. And he has that convulsing, he, on, convulsing the on the table. I'm sorry. Mr. Mr. Downey had some bruises after that. <laughs> Probably. That was a big wooden table and he was throwing himself on it. Yeah, he was into it. <laughs> I read something. I don't know how true it is, but that this was one of his most favorite films to work on. Yeah. Which I can understand. It gave him a lot of range to play mm-hmm. a lot of characters. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I could definitely see where, especially as as an actor, where you're really starting your career. You like you said, he was 28 years old. He'd done some films prior to this, but you yeah. want people to notice you that you have range, that you can do different things. This is the perfect role for that. And it's unfortunate that it wasn't as well received as maybe people would have, or certainly as the people involved would have liked. Because, like I said, I remember seeing commercials for it, but then. That's about it. It wasn't one of those films that you kept hearing about. It was just something that was that VHS box on the shelf. It did end up in a lot of families. I, someone I, I posted, I was watching it, and uh, someone was like, oh, yeah, we had that on VHS. We watched it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> At least one of my friends did see it in the theater. Jonathan Angarola said he, he, he'd forgotten all about it, but he remembers seeing it in the theater when it came out. And there was another film uh, from four years earlier in 89 that, Downey was in that kind of had a similar element to it. Are you familiar? I with I looked that, that movie? one up. Chances are, is yeah, that the I, one? I've seen that movie too, where it's a a reporter um, uncovers this story, and he I, he I don't know if that's what gets him killed or if he just happens to die before he can break it. And then he's in heaven, and he's like, "I have to get back. My my wife's going into my wife's going into labor, and mm-hmm. you know, I you know, I've got this story. Lives are on the line. And then there's this whole thing in heaven where you're supposed to get a shot. That way, you don't remember your past life. And so he I've runs. Seen that movie? Yeah. And so he gets reincarnated, mm-hmm. and it's 
20 some odd years later and now he's Robert Downey Jr. and he bumps into his daughter. Yeah, but he's in a different body. He's yeah. an entirely different person. Mm-hmm. But meeting her and seeing his old house and seeing his wife starts to jump his memory and he starts to remember things. So now he's like, oh no, I've fallen in love with my own daughter. Right. <laughs> but I'm reattracted to my wife and uh-huh. things like that. I've... So he kind of played this and it's again, it's about second chances and, right. and and finishing your 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 unfinished business kind of thing it's just interesting that he did these two mo- very similar movies until you mentioned the uh in heaven and have to get back in the, in the shot i didn't re- as soon as you said that i was like oh my gosh i remember watching this movie now <laughs> this is a good movie yeah, it's been a long time since i've seen it another like bunch of physical comedy from him <laughs> right it, like i said it's just it was a, it was a fun nice little watch yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other scenes that I really wanted to uh, point out. Uh, favorite characters, though, I I think I had a, the most fun with Milo yeah. watching him. You know, he's the one that sort of really <laughs> would try to sort of embrace the fact that no one could see him. Yes, not not necessarily for good purposes, but <laughs> sees that one attractive teacher walking down the sidewalk. He's like, Thomas, hang on, and he lies down <laughs> to lies look down up her skirt. <laughs> but then gets pulled along because he's like he said he's tethered to the kid, so the yeah. kid keeps walking. Yeah, no, I, I like how they created this little family among these four spirits, if you want to call them that. And they each played the, like these different roles and had these influences. And I just, they did a really nice job with that. Other, did you at any point catch on to who the sergeant was supposed to be? No, ooh, that came as a little bit of a surprise. That, yeah. that, as soon as it kind of like dawned on them, it's kind of like, Ah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as the bus showed up, I think it was like, like oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what? No, I'm not ready. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that the sergeant is Penny's son. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really, really like that little that twist. Even though yeah. he's the only black man in the whole movie, it should That's have true. been obvious. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> like, we're looking for her son. Her son is black. Here's the one black man in the whole damn film. I wonder who he could be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. But I, I they play it off well because she never recognizes him, which makes sense. She clear. hasn't seen him in 30 some odd years. Right. No picture or anything to jog her memory. Mm-hmm. But then when she does, and then she takes control of Thomas and hugs him really quick. Yeah. And the guy's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Sorry. That was a little awkward. <laughs> uh, but I, and I, I like how we get these little bits through the film. You know, she's like, I want to know how my kids are. And so they're trying to, you know, they, they went into foster care. They were adopted. You know, they find out that the, the daughters went to Sacramento, but lost track of the son. Then suddenly, boom, she's faced with a son bolt. He's been looking for his sisters. He, he lost track of them too, but now they have the information. I'm like, that's nicely done. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't fate. seem forced. It just, no. it's that whole idea of like, is this fate? Is yeah. this destiny? Is this supposed to happen this way? Right. And then um, when we finally get to the end with Kira Cedric's character who wants to make sure that she knows, or once the man, she was on her way to finally tell the guy she was kind of putting off, you know, she wouldn't say yes to his proposals because she was just nervous and scared. And then she realized I'm I'm missing out. This is a big mistake. So she goes after him. That's how what got her onto the bus. And then of course she dies. Her thing is she wanted to make sure that he knew that um she really loved him. And so I I love that they, you know, she takes over Downey's body, Thomas's body so she can write a letter with her handwriting. Yeah. Again, all oh, so clever. Right. <laughs> 
And then they're going to deliver this saying that, oh, yeah, get mixed up with my mom's stuff. And it was to you. Well, and she, they even like had a, like a, a, an older worn piece of paper. It was very yellowed. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a clip. Like so many details. Yeah, exactly. They could have ignored. Just to make it work. Yeah. Right. And then, unfortunately, you know, spoilers, unfortunately, but uh, they find out, oh, no, sorry, uh, I bought this place. You know, the guy that opens the answers of the door is like, I bought this place from a few years ago. He died. And so she's like, what am I supposed to do? And How the am bus I- is there. And then send the bus. And you're, you kind of wonder, you, you don't really know what would happen to someone if they haven't completed their their task. Would they, would that keep their spirits from being happy in that next phase. Right. You know, Are you a miserable they, person? Yeah, because you had that unfinished business. And so you're like, oh my gosh, you know, that's kind of a sad note. And then the fact that the movie then twists it and goes, wait, this isn't about me. <laughs> this is, you're doing the same thing I was doing. Right. And to, to Thomas. So I'm here for you. And she looks at Thomas as her son. Right. Don't make the same mistake I did. That And that allows her to find peace with her own life and they get to hug yes they could never hug before and then they get to hug yes so yeah that was just like you said it's just a little bit of details that a lot of effort went into just really just dotting the i's and crossing the t's on on this film and i'm so surprised that it, it wasn't better received because of those details and because of the interesting characters and because of his acting like this this movie should have been a hit this movie yeah, should have been yeah. Super well received, but you know, I was reading through some of it, and it was more of like lukewarm, and mm-hmm. I don't get why. I I don't understand. Like, what was going on in '93 that people were like, "Nah, we don't I care." Don't really remember a lot of the early '90s being like, you know, oh, the great films of the early '90s, right? Uh, maybe there's something else out there that I'm not thinking of, but we, we weren't in franchise heaven yet. Yeah, like, exactly. This this to me felt like a movie that should have just been a very just feel good movie, right? Yeah, nice heartwarming tale. It has. It had to have been at the time it was released. Did they, you know, right. do it in the middle of the summer or something, something like that? Where that isn't the kind of movie you want to see. You know, this would have been a good Thanksgiving weekend, bring the family kind of movie. Or, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But so, even critically, it wasn't that well received. It yeah, was just sort of nah from a lot of people. And I'm like, did you watch it? <laughs> it's fun, <laughs> right? Oh, well, maybe they, they, they stopped at saying, well, we've seen all this, you know, they can't see me stuff before and I'm not really going to pay attention to it. I, a lot of times I think, of, especially with a lot of professional movie critics, is they tend to fade out. If they're thinking they're seeing something they've seen before, they fade out a mm-hmm. little bit. You know, if obviously they don't have the phones to, to go and scroll through or something right. at the time that they do now but at the time i think they just sort of zone out and then they kind of lose track of all that all these details that we were saying that actually makes this a really well done film did you notice so at the beginning of the movie care cedric's character she's a server at like a, a, a comedy club oh yeah 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 yep yeah. I read that's a little bit of trivia there. That, you know, so Bob Newhart is performing at that club, but I, it's not Bob Newhart. But it sounded like they were using his comedy audio. Yeah, it was definitely his shtick that I saw. He was doing the phone right. thing. Yeah. And it's his son yeah, I playing saw that. him. That was very cool. I was wondering, um, I didn't see, I missed if there was signage that said who that was that was supposed to be performing. And um, 
I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I I didn't look out for that, but I recognized his voice immediately because mm. it just sounded like they were using one of his like comedy. Yeah, tracks. I, I was wondering if that was supposed to be someone. I, I just had a feeling maybe it was just because that. Yeah, maybe something in the back. It triggered something in my in my head. But I was wondering if that was supposed to be someone I should recognize. Is that supposed mm. to be a famous comedian? Oh, can't BB King? Oh yes, BB King, King is in the movie as himself. Oh, that was brilliant. Yes, <laughs> for loved Harrison it. finally singing, yeah. and he's got BB King playing behind him. Yes, and just to show Robert Downey Jr., he can act and he can sing because that didn't sound like somebody else came in. That sounded like his voice. Yeah, it was again just another really great scene. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything else really to say. I th- those are kind of the highlights for me. Um, yeah, just well acted, incredibly well written. Mm-hmm. You know, well directed. Everything about this film, yeah, it was just it was just really good, and it was a real fun film. Glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it a lot. So, you have anything else to say on it? You pretty much done too. That that is all I have. All right. Well, in two weeks, uh, we're going to be recording an episode that will drop in the first weekend of October. And so we're going to start October with a little bit of a ghost story. (laughs) And I have come up with a, I believe it's 1972. It was from the UK. It was actually a, I think it was a made for TV, like maybe, I want to say it might have been like a ghost story for Christmas production or something like that. Written by Nigel Neal, who was a, he's, he's a great author. Uh, or great writer, uh, has done a lot of uh, real interesting... He likes to take the... um, He likes to sort of find explanations for the supernatural in his his writing. So we're going to be watching 1972's The Stone Tape. So I think this is going to be interesting. I think it's a very good, very effective ghost story. So I'm I'm hoping you'll, you'll enjoy it. Looking forward to it. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And again, thanks to everyone that helped in uh, the last episode. Really appreciate it. So we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 